Thanks, Ben. Please, would you keep that passage open from John 15? We're thinking about prayer this morning, and there's going to be an opportunity, as I said earlier on, for us to pray together, to receive prayer. If you would like someone to pray with, and someone to pray with you, to stay in your seats and pray quietly yourself. But this morning, we want to, as they say, do business with God as we pray. So let's begin by praying. Father, you know every single one of our hearts. You know what's going on with us. You know where we stand in our relationship with you. You know everything. Father, we thank you that you're a God who reaches out to us in mercy and in love, in grace. So, Father, please, please help us to respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When your heart speaks, what does it say? What I mean by that is when you get beyond the superficial noise and the busyness of life and You go down to the depths, your deepest desires. What are they? What does your heart speak? It can be very difficult to hear our hearts, to know what really is going on in the depths. For one thing, I've discovered that the heart doesn't speak English. Sometimes, in fact, often, the things that we really desire, it's so hard to articulate. And yet, it's those desires that move our lives in one direction or another. And the other thing is that life is so busy, there's so much noise going on, it is hard to hear what the heart is saying. But it's really important for us to listen to our hearts. And if we listen carefully enough, we can hear what our hearts are saying. What those deepest longings are at the very core of our being. So this morning, I want to begin by asking you to do a heart check. It's going to be different from when you go to the doctor. I want you to do a heart check. And the reason is this, that the heart tells us perhaps the most important thing about us. Jesus once said, where your treasure is, That is, where the things or the thing is that is most important to you, the thing that you build your life around, 
Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we listen to our hearts carefully, we can discern where our treasure really is. We're in church this morning, so I, I take it that most, if not all of us, would say, well, my treasure is Jesus. He is my greatest treasure. No one compares, no one is more wonderful. There is no one or nothing that's like Jesus. Nobody can do, nothing can do what Jesus does. No one and nothing can take us and rearrange us and rebuild us and restructure us and renew us and change us to become the people that God has made us to be so that in eternity past, when God had you in mind, he had a vision for you. The true you, the fulfilled you, the real you. And it's only Jesus who can transform you into that, who can deal with the brokenness that's in all of us. No one and nothing else can do that. And so as we do our heart check this morning, I want us to be honest. Honest with ourselves. Where's your treasure? What's your heart telling you about where your treasure is? You know, you can achieve your wildest dreams. You can have all the success, everything that you'd ever hoped for. But if Jesus is not your treasure, then you'll be left with nothing. Nothing. And that's not just because things don't last. And so building ourselves around anything or anyone that isn't Jesus, it doesn't last. It's not just that. And it isn't just because you can achieve great things and have a fulfilled life for a while and then circumstances may come and change everything and turn your life upside down. It's not just that that can happen. The important thing is that if we invest in something or someone other than Jesus, if we devote our lives, however good that thing or that person may be, then in the end we will lose our very selves. We will lose our lives because that thing and that person cannot deliver what we most need. Only Jesus can do that. I uh, just very, very recently I came across this quotation from Steve Jobs, who was the iconic figure, wasn't he? This amazing founder of Apple. And as he was right at the end of his life, he said this. 
I've come to the pinnacle of success in business. In the eyes of others, my life has been the symbol of success. However, apart from my work, I have little joy. Finally, my wealth is simply a fact to which I am accustomed. At this time, lying in the hospital bed and remembering all my life, I realized that all the accolades and riches of which I was once so proud have become insignificant with my imminent death. Jesus put it like this. What's the benefit to someone if they gain the whole world, all their dreams, but then lose their very self? When we substitute anything or anyone for Jesus, we end up forfeiting ourselves. In the end, we lose everything. So I want us to begin this morning by asking that question. What does your heart tell you about where your treasure is? You don't have to tell me. But do you know what your heart is telling you about where your treasure really is? The greatest treasure is Jesus You would expect a minister to say that, wouldn't you? The greatest treasure is Jesus. What does that mean? Is it Jesus in the abstract out there in history? I believe that Jesus existed. Is it something that we affirm in our heads or as we say a creed when we say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. I believe he's coming back. Or is it maybe an emotional response? It needs to be more than To have Jesus as your treasure means to have what I want to call a heart union with Jesus. A heart union with Jesus. You'll notice in John chapter 15, because we are going to John 15, Jesus is talking about a vine. I've got a vine. We've got a vine at the back of our house I'm not a great expert, and I've just finished pruning it. I know those of you who are gardeners will be horrified because it's almost too late, but I think I just about got away with it. And Jesus uses this illustration. It's, it's an illustration. Don't run away with it. He talks about branches being in the vine. When a branch is in the vine, it is vitally connected to the entire vine. And as spring comes and the sap begins to flow, then it moves 
into the branches where the vine goes. And how the vine goes is how the branches go. That's the kind of illustration that Jesus is talking about. To be in the vine, to be in Jesus, to have a heart union with Jesus. So that's why we talk, for example, about Christianity being a relationship with God. It's not just about assenting to certain things. We compare it sometimes with friendship, being friends with Jesus. And Jesus calls his disciples, and therefore by extension us, friends. Or there's the illustration of the parent and the child, and we prayed already, haven't we? Our Father in heaven. And then there's the marriage illustration that we've been looking at in Ephesians. Two people, a man and a wife, become one flesh. United. As an illustration of being in Christ. As a heart union, of a heart union with Jesus. But here's the thing. All of those illustrations fall short. There is no union, not even in the greatest marriage, that compares with the union with Jesus. The heart union with Jesus. I, uh, I caught up some years ago with... Um, an ex-girlfriend, actually. Um, I hadn't seen her for 20 years, and she was telling me about all the stuff that had happened in her life, or at least some of it. And uh, she'd recently remarried. Her previous husband had died, and uh, she'd recently remarried. And she said of her new husband, he's my soul mate. And there are marriages that are like that, aren't there? Two people who are glued together. And that's wonderful when it happens. But the heart union with Jesus goes deeper than that. Let me, let me try and explain something of what that means. It means that the relationship becomes so deep and so intense and so intimate that what Jesus desires, what's on his heart is what's on our heart. But here's the amazing thing. The union is so close that what's on our hearts is what's on his heart. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about being in the vine. To have a relationship that's so intense that his desires are our desires and our desires are his desires. So where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? We can have treasures that are good things. But they're not Jesus. And he is the greatest treasure. And the treasure for whom we are made. And when we make anything else our treasure our lives get distorted and messed up. Where's your treasure? What's your heart telling you about your treasure?
Now, if we have a heart union with Christ, and I hope most, if not all of us, do this morning, then there are just one or two things that are really important for us to remember. We need to continue in that relationship. You notice in verse 4 of chapter 15, Jesus says, remain in me. There is an active component to that. It, this is why you, have, you mustn't push the vine illustration too much. I am pretty sure that the branches of the vine outside our house never have to address the issue of remaining. They are branches. Jesus is talking about people. To remain in Christ involves us. And we need to continue in that relationship. So how do we continue in the relationship with Jesus? Well, in a way that parallels the way you maintain any relationship we need to listen to what he says, to listen to what's on his heart. We need to talk to him. We need to be honest. We need to be willing to say, I was wrong. We need to be willing to change. We need to continue in that relationship. Secondly, this is a process this process of this heart union with Christ, it's there and it's real, but it's also a process and it will take a lifetime and that will involve change. God will be in the business of changing us. Notice that Jesus describes the Father, he describes God as the gardener. He's the expert in vines. And notice that there are two activities that the gardener does first of all he removes the dead wood verse 2 the father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit there are things in our life that are dead and they have the capacity to bring death to us and God's going to cut them out because that's what he does. And the other thing he does, you notice, is he prunes. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. There are branches that have the capability of being more fruitful, and so he prunes them. Now, as I said, this is an illustration, so please don't push it too far. But here are some things about this illustration. Here's, here's the first thing about it. It takes an expert to know what's dead and needs cutting out. And it takes an expert to, need, to know what needs pruning. Needs the gardener. We are really bad at identifying what's dead and what needs pruning. Really bad. We don't always recognize what's dead. It's so much a part of us. It may be very precious to us, but it's dead. And there are things that need pruning, and we're very bad at working out what needs pruning. It takes an expert to know what needs pruning. And what needs cutting out. 
And it can be very painful as well. That exercise of cutting out what's dead and of pruning. Sometimes the Lord may do things in our life and we wonder, why are you doing that? Why is that happening? Why are these circumstances coming? Because you're a work in everything. Paul says that we see through at last darkly and... um, as I think about my own life, I, one of the things I do see clearly is that I don't see clearly. It's really hard to make sense of a life. We see through it last darkly, but there is one thing I have come to realize, and that's this. I'm really bad <laughs> at judging what needs cutting out and what needs pruning in my life. Really bad. See, I'm not an expert. I'm not a gardener. I look at my life and there are things that looking back I realized were dead and were bringing death to me. I would never, ever have cut them out because they were precious to me. For the gardener knew. And there are things that I would never ever have pruned in my life because I would never have inflicted that kind of pain on myself. But the gardener knew. God wants to and will cut out the dead and he will prune us and that's at times very painful. You know, pain is pain. You don't have to be happy with pain. But here's the thing. God is in the business not of inflicting pain on you, but of making you more fruitful. And if we don't realize that, then we'll become disillusioned with God or with ourselves or with our circumstances. We need to continue in our union with Christ. Secondly, it's a process. And thirdly, here's the results. And this is where I want to finish. You know, in this heart union with Christ, something extraordinary happens. The closer we get in our relationship with Jesus, the more this becomes true. His desires are our desires and our desires become his desires. And that means when we pray out of our hearts, we are praying what's on the heart of Jesus. Isn't that extraordinary? Our deepest desires become the deepest desires of Jesus because we're in union with him. And that's why in verse 7, he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Isn't that extraordinary? When we're in a union with Christ, when he's our treasure, then what our heart speaks is what Jesus speaks. And when we pray out of our hearts, we are praying what's on the heart of Jesus. And therefore, verse 16, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Because it's not as simple as that, is it? Because we're in a process. 
a process of growing in that union with Christ. And so we need to check what's on our hearts, don't we? We need to check what it is we're praying for and need to ask the question, is what I'm, I'm praying for, is that consistent with what God says? Is that consistent with his word? Do I have the witness of the Spirit? Because sometimes we don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit and we get some sense of prompting from the Spirit. And sometimes, do you know sometimes we have to say, I don't know whether this is the right thing to pray or not. What do you do when you don't know? You pray. You pray. Do not, do not ever stop praying because you're not sure. Because <laughs> otherwise, you'll go through a huge swathe of your life without praying. Because there's an awful lot of the time when I don't know what the right thing is to pray for. But here's the thing. The Spirit searches our hearts and reads our hearts. And this is the Spirit of God. And He knows what we ought to be praying for. And He prays through the don't knows. So, don't be paralyzed by the don't knows. Pray in confidence. If we're united with Christ, we have his heart and he has our hearts. Whatever we ask that comes out of his heart, as our desires echo his desires, he will answer. That ought to be an encouragement to us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to turn to pray. You can just stay in your seats if you would like to just pray quietly. And then after a few minutes, if you want to go and get tea and coffee, there's tea and coffee through there. So just slip away. We're not going to have a final song. We're just going to turn to prayer. Let me, let me suggest some things you might want to pray about. Ask the question, where's your treasure? What's your heart telling you about where your treasure is? You may have been coming to church for a long, long time. And so people look at you and see you as a stalwart, a Christian devotion and commitment. Get over it. Get over it. It's much more important to get over your pride and deal with the issue. What's your heart telling you? And some of you might need this morning to say, I realize that my treasure is not Jesus. And I realize that all the things that I've got that I've substituted for Jesus do not compare, however good and however wonderful they are. But they're in the wrong place. Because Jesus is not my treasure and you might need to pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I want you to be my treasure. Maybe the first time you've ever prayed that, it may be that you've prayed this a number of times before because Jesus has been your treasure, but he isn't today. You need to come back. Say, Lord, please forgive me. Repent of what you need to repent for. He is gracious and loving. He's not turning you away. He's inviting you. Some of you may be feeling really battered by your circumstances in following Christ. It's been a real struggle. 
and, and your heart's feeling, if I can put it like this, frayed. And you need new hope and you need new strength. And maybe some of you need to pray this morning, Lord, I don't, I don't feel your love. I don't sense that you love me. I pray that you will know the love of Christ. It's all right to pray that. Paul prays it in Ephesians 3, so it's okay. Pray to be embraced, enveloped in the love of Jesus. Some of you may need real wisdom for what's happening. Some of you may need new vision for your life about where it's going and what you need to do. Some of you might want to pray for us as a church and as a community that we will know the work of the Spirit amongst us and in us and we'll know the work of the Spirit in our community and so that there'll be people who come to Alpha and then not just come to Alpha but come to Christ. Some of you may need to pray for healing, emotional healing, physical healing, spiritual healing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask that we all bow our heads. I will pray and I'm going to ask if the ministry team would come to the front. And I think there'll be one or two people at the back as well over there. And then a couple of us will be wandering around and if you would like someone to pray with you, you just put a hand up or something like that and we'll pray with you. Otherwise, just pray quietly and then when you when you finish, just please slip away. But don't start your conversations in here. Start your conversations in there. This is for speaking to God this morning. So I'm going to pray. And whether you want to make use of the ministry team, someone to pray with you, or just pray quietly on your own. Let's pray. Father, this is unbelievably profound that you want a heart relationship with us through Jesus. You want a relationship with us that's so intense, so deep, so profound that it transcends any other relationship and you want it with us that our hearts are your hearts and your heart is our heart. Some of us have a real difficulty in getting our heads around that. Some of us have real issues that we need to bring to you this morning. Father, please, by your Holy Spirit, please would you work amongst us and encourage us as we pray. You're God who hears. Whatever we ask, whatever is on our hearts when we're in that relationship with you, you, you promise you will give us what our hearts desire because our hearts are yours and your heart is ours. And so give us confidence, we pray. And now let's pray in Jesus' name. Amen.